Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bible Quest. This is the Tuesday edition where we talk with you about the Bible and its relevance for today every Tuesday at 2. My name is Justin Dobbs. And let me invite you to interact with us live. You can use the live chat on YouTube. We'll be watching that throughout today's discussion. Uh, but if you have other questions or comments after today's discussion, or you just want us to talk about some things in the future, uh, please visit us at BibleQuest.tv. We want to talk about your questions and your concerns and your journey to know and to serve the Lord. Uh, today, we have with us Scott Smelser. How are you doing, Scott? Doing well. Good, good. Glad you're with us. And uh, we also have with us uh, David Kipp. How are you, David? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing, doing fantastic, thank God. Uh, really excited to have you on with us today. Uh, we've been uh, discussing a number of different helpful things. Recently, we talked uh, about uh, how to engage with people in a first uh, Bible study. And uh, and you had something, I think, kind of similar in mind to that. Uh, so could you kind of help us know what we're talking about today? Yeah. So the the topic that we'll be discussing today is the, the idea of, of taking initiative. And I think that's just, in general, that's something that a lot of people tend to struggle with from all walks of life, not just when it comes to, to sharing the gospel, but from employees at work, seeing that something needs to be done and, and addressing it, uh, children at home, trying to teach them the, you know, the, uh, how to take initiative in things. You know, as parents, we're always, when they're young, we're doing everything for them and getting them to the point where they're going to do something. And I think that's just something that I've seen that people not do much of anymore. I don't, oftentimes something that gets me frustrated is that you hear generations kind of complain about younger generations. And I think that's just sort of been ongoing for since the beginning, uh, complaining about the previous generation. And there's definitely things that we can look at within scripture and see that how the generations are deteriorating. And a lot of it's because the previous generation hasn't been teaching things to people. Uh, Psalm, Psalm 78 is, is very helpful for us to, to see that particular idea. And in regards to uh, taking initiative, I think this is something that uh, I know that I've struggled with within my own life and something I have failed to, to help my children to learn how to do. And the Bible doesn't use, I don't, I don't know of any translation, maybe there's one out there that uses the term initiative. And I, and I can't think of any, any particular passage that uses that word, but it's all throughout scripture. And it's something that's being taught. The concept of it is being taught all th throughout it. And one particular uh, passage I think is very helpful is found in, in all four gospel accounts. And it's the only miracle that we see in all four gospel accounts, aside from the resurrection. And that would be the, the feeding of the multitudes. So that's where I'd like to, to start off with our, with our study today. So if you guys want to turn, I'm going to read from Mark's account. Uh, so you want to turn to, to Mark chapter 6, and we'll pick up in verse 30 there. And as you're turning there and our listeners are, are turning there, it just kind of set up, set the scene up. Uh, prior to this, the disciples are just returning from, from going out. They were sent out on what we I call the limited commission, uh, where they were going into different towns two by two and uh, casting out demons and teaching about repentance. And Jesus uh, has just received word uh about the death of john the baptist hmm. so as the disciples are coming back they're they're tired they're they're hungry uh jesus in matthew's account we see that he's just received news and he wants to go to a desolate place 
he's received very sad news about his cousin John uh, being beheaded and dying. And so Jesus, he's wanting to go to this place. And then we have pick up here in verse 30 of Mark chapter 6. Again, remember, if we look at other accounts, the disciples have just returned. And in verse 30, I'll read from there. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to, that, to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And when they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves, now many of them, now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give, them, give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them to sit down in the groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties and taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven, said a blessing, broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. So, for starters, we read the miracle. We certainly should be always marvel at what God has done. I think right. that and we should always be marveling at it. And this is, this is the miracle that most people know about. They don't even study the Bible, know about this, this particular miracle. One, I think, because it's in all the Gospels. So it's a, it's a really well-known miracle. But I think it's important to notice that it is the only one that's written in all four Gospels. That it's, it's such a rich, deep study for us. There's so much we can pull from this from so many different angles. And one that I just kind of came across in the last time I went through this was this, I just seen this difference specifically between Jesus and the disciples, right? And they're both, as I start out, they're both kind of not in the greatest condition going to Bethsaida, into this desolate place, right? Um, physically speaking, for the disciples, right? They're, they're worn out. Uh, they've just done a lot of work. And Jesus, we said, was, you know, he's weary from this particular uh, news that he heard with, with John the Baptist. And also, I think we, the disciples are hungry. I mean, that's why one of the reasons they've gone to this place, they weren't able to sit down when they returned where they wanted to be and to eat. And then we get to the situation from the disciples aspect where they're looking and they're seeing, you know, like, okay, it's the time of day. We need to send people away, send them, send them away so they can go get something to eat. Now, I think it's important to just differentiate here between this and the feeding of what we call the feeding of the 4,000, where they had been out following Jesus for three days. If anybody was sent anywhere, that was dangerous. People were going to die. So I don't think, 
I, I don't think that this was a situation where people were going to be in danger if they were sent sent away. But that's that's not really the, the point to be made here. Um, and then when Jesus is challenging them to do something, it almost sounds, if you look at all the accounts, they're looking for reasons why they can't do anything or, or they may not be able to do anything. Um, and, and some of them sound legitimate to us. And probably excuses that we would, or so, some of the reasons that we would come up to. But then look at difference with Jesus throughout the whole thing. Now, Jesus, yeah, I'm sorry, check their notes. Logistically, if you're not remembering this is Jesus and the power of God. Right. I mean, you ever had people over your house and then some more people showed up or something? And you're wondering, if 5,000 people, just the men, right. and people are hungry, you know, friends is only so big. Uh, we don't have enough. So it, 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 if, if you're not thinking about Jesus and the power of God. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, and I really think that's where this is headed, where Jesus is trying to, to lead them to. Because, you know, we, we look at, uh, you know, second Timothy three, 16 and 17. We look at those, those verses and what they're meant to do. To, to teach, to reprove, to correct, and then it says to, to for for training in righteousness, and I think that's really what's going on here between Jesus and his his apostles, very specifically. There's a whole another lesson going on with those that are going to be consuming the food, and I think when you go into John's account, I think that you see that very clearly because then it goes into the very next day. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some similarities, but definitely some some differences here. But this is really, I think, some training for the apostles themselves. So again, we made the point, the difference, we see the similarities at the very beginning with Jesus and uh, the the apostles where they're weary, tired, and they're going to this desolate place. And that's kind of where it stops. Because when Jesus sees the people, he doesn't retreat to this desolate place. What does he do? Well, he goes out and he starts teaching them and healing them. We see that. So while the disciples, we don't see anything in the text particularly that they're doing. But then they notice that, hey, it's getting late. People need to eat. And Jesus is, wants them to feed them. I want you to take care. You, you see that they're hungry. Do something. Justin. You know, it's interesting. Uh, the, G, the, the disciples of Jesus are really quick to notice, oh, there's a need. And I hadn't thought about before the fact that uh, they're probably feeling that need themselves. You know, they hadn't had leisure even to eat back in verse 31. So that's interesting. But they kind of, in response to the need, complain about it. I mean, if you want to put a positive spin on this, they go to Jesus for a solution. Uh, but when Jesus gives them the solution, they go, whoa, 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 whoa. So it's interesting how how quick the disciples, and probably we are too, at noticing problems. Right. Uh, but then, like you're pointing out, uh, what do we do next? Right. Yeah. And, and I, you know, and I think that's, and, and, you know, and I think it's, um, oh, I'm trying to remember it was John's account or, or Luke's where Jesus knows that they're not going to be, he, Jesus knows what he's going to do, which is why I think this is, it's really interesting to, to think about how this is all playing out, even from the very beginning, Jesus sees them come back and says, sees them and sees the need that they have. Let's go to a, let's go to a desolate place. Right. So we can eat and rest. But Jesus has no 
everything that's going to ha happen and go on here. So he's kind of setting up the scene from the very start with the disciples in this particular thing. So, yeah, so Jesus wants them to feed them. And then, they yeah, they start coming up with, with all those excuses. And, of course, then Jesus ends up feeding, you know, the 5,000 and all of this. And I think it's, you know, really important to go back and see the way Jesus, when he looks at the people, he sees that. What does it say? How does how does Mark's account say when he sees the crowds coming? How, how does he see them? Like sheep without a shepherd. Like sheep without a shepherd. And I think that goes right down to what he's trying to train his disciples to do, because Jesus is not always going to be there. He is going to 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 go home. He's going to go back to his father. Yeah, Justin. I, I was I was looking at Matthew's account today and prep for our our discussion. Um, and earlier in Matthew, Matthew nine, mm -hmm. uh, of course, the Matthew fourteen is where this particular story is is told in the Gospel of Matthew. But in Matthew nine, this is a habit of Jesus. Like he just he looks at people with needs. But I mean, when I drive by. Uh, a pasture full of cows or sheep. I don't go. Oh man, let me go over there and take care. Like those are somebody else's sheep. <laughs> They're not my sheep. Right, right. Or if you're in a, a a supermarket and you hear some kid crying, you don't go. Oh, let me go and take care of that kid. You usually think, Oh man, where's that kid's parents? Uh, but Jesus sees people in need, and he says, "That's that's where I come in." And in Matthew uh, nine, in verse uh, thirty six. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And some of our listeners uh, know, I think on Wednesdays, Chase Byers is part of that that crew uh, on Wednesdays, uh, Bible Quest. Um, he pointed out to me that most translations are really good at translating the Greek in that phrase. Uh, I don't know Greek, but it's apparently it's the same uh, initial word or letter in each Greek word. So like the... Christian Standard Bible will say the distressed and dejected, or the Holman Christian Standard is the weary and worn out, and the NASB, the distressed and dispirited. It's almost like this play on words, like this is a ragtag bunch of nobodies needing help, and Jesus, here is the shepherd looking at the sheep, says, I've got to take care of these people. Yeah, yeah, and and, um, and I think that's, that's really key here to when we were talking about taking initiative and it's really identifying priorities and in the priorities is putting other people's priorities over ourselves i remember it's funny i mean there's a merriam webster definition of initiative and i think it's pretty close close to, to what i'm about to say but my seventh grade teacher and it's always just stuck with me when he said when he was teaching us about the idea of initiative and he says uh seeing a need and doing something about it and that's that's really what's going on here with the disciples they see the need and we've kind of already discussed this right now they see a need but they're not ready to address it or do anything about it and i think that's something that we're all so good at and that like i was talking about before trying to train your home to do that and this this is something that we've run into with with ourselves and our kids often where you know you have the garbage you know, and it's starting to pile up and it's almost like it becomes a contest of of who can get it up the highest before someone takes it out. <laughs> you know? um, and, and, you know, and eventually, you know, someone someone has to has to take it and your kids are kind of 
when they're younger, they're not thinking, oh, well, that's what dad does all the time. So they're just waiting for dad to do it or for mom to do it. But at some point we need to try to be training them so that when they see a need to just take care of it. And, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to embarrass any of my children, but we've, we've done tests where we set things up in the house to see if they're going to do anything about it. And sometimes we successful sometimes they haven't um they've gone above you know above and be but they've also seen them where they've gone above and beyond but that's but you have to like what jesus i think is is often trying to do with his apostles like in this particular section is that he is setting up situations for them to learn from they may not end up doing this exact work at that moment they'll see him do it. And you're seeing it within his character. The character of God is one who takes initiative. I mean, from the very first verses of the, of the Bibles, in the beginning, God created. <laughs> That's what he does. Um, seeing, you know, in the garden, seeing that, you know, Adam, it wasn't good for him to be alone. So he creates, creates woman. Go ahead, Justin. It, the, the garbage illustration is, is <laughs> familiar. Um, I don't know that I ever look at the garbage and go, oh, wow, it's full. That's great. Let me take it out. You know, like I'm happy that it's full and it needs to be taken out. Um, that's weird. But but most, I don't know, most people probably can relate to that. Uh, but I'm thinking about Jesus here. And he does look at us that way. Like he goes, oh, great. There are sheep here who need help. Uh, and he he planned for that. Like he wants to be our shepherd. Most shepherds in this day and age are shepherds not because they necessarily want to be, because they have to be, uh, and God chooses to be known as a shepherd. And so, like, he, like you said, he, he sees a need and does something about it. Uh, he anticipated the need. Uh, he he loves to take care of his sheep. So rather than uh, being frustrated or upset at the inconvenience of needing to to act in service, he's eager for it. And that's an attitude I need to develop. Yeah. And, and, and Scott, I want to go back to something that you had said earlier about them not relying on the power of, of God and Jesus being present there and that he could provide what was needed. So obviously we see the abundance that happens here. So not only does everybody eat, but then what's what's left over? There's 12 baskets. We have 12 disciples, 12 baskets, and they're all full. And we're seeing, I think this is kind of a foreshadowing to whatever it is that you guys are going to do, I am going to provide for you whatever it is you need. Ephesians 3 talks about it in the New King James, feedingly and abundantly, you know, providing whatever that's going to be needed. Um, and I think that's kind of the idea that's being expressed here when they, they're left over with all this. You're never not going to have what you need to serve people as long as you're going to me as the source of it. And I think that's something that's really important for us to do when we're encouraging people to take initiative. You're not on your own with this. This isn't something when you're trying to have a Bible study with somebody or talk about the Bible. So don't rely upon fancy words and things of that nature and trying to convince somebody with some, uh, you know, with the response of some nature. No, just go right to God's word and, and use that. And that's what will, now whether or not they want to accept it or not is not on you, but that's what it is that we need to be doing. Scott. Paul describing his work at Corinth, he said, we were ministers to whom you believed. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Right, right, right. 
And, and I think one of the other things um, it's in our nature sometimes is that we can just be we can just be lazy. Reality of it, uh, I think that's you know, as someone who's worked uh, in a job where I was a, an assistant manager at, at a store at a retail store before, one of the hardest things was to try to encourage employees to just not be lazy, um, and that's just something that I think is 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 happening all too often. And you know, Proverbs you know talks about that that idea in Proverbs six, and you know, look to the ant sluggard, and you know, and I think that's just something that we really need to to, to point out to people uh, and try to help them work through that is is overcoming laziness. The uh, the laziness aspect makes me think of Luke ten with. Uh, you know, loving your neighbor, and the the lawyer says, "Well, well, who is my neighbor? You know, you, you know me, Jesus. I'd hate to love the wrong guy." Uh, and so Jesus tells him the story about the Samaritan. Of course, you have these two, um, you know, spiritual leaders in the nation, the priest and the Levite, pass by, and they might have every good reason in the world, kind of like the disciples have every good excuse in the world, Mark six, not to help. Um, but the Samaritan goes out of his way and puts extra work on himself because he sees a need. And what drives him to do that in the story, and the story never mentions love. Jesus just says, here, here's what it looks like. And so the answer to laziness isn't just more work, it's love. You know, right. If I loved people or if I loved Jesus, then I would volunteer myself in his service uh, and I wouldn't feel bad about it. So it's not just do more work, it's, it's learn to love Jesus more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if we can do this without derailing, because I want to come back to Mark 6 and hear some more of what David said about Mark 6. But quickly, let's just name a few other examples from other accounts of people who either took initiative or didn't. So there you've got the, the Good Samaritan who took initiative. And who are the two guys, obviously, that didn't? Yeah, the, the priest and the Levite. Uh, so somebody that took initiative, Nehemiah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I took initiative. And for how many years had nobody taken that initiative? Right. And those roles had stayed down. Uh, what's another example or two? And then we'll come back to Mark 6. Well, actually, I want to I want to just let's stay in Nehemiah for, for just a moment. Yeah. Consider that, you know, so so here's the situation with Nehemiah. Right. So Nehemiah receives word that that the walls haven't been rebuilt. Right. And, and he knows that the, that's what should have been done. And what I think is really interesting in this is that taking initiative doesn't mean going just headstrong, full throttle in something, and you know, because that could cause a lot of problems. I see what you see with Nehemiah and what we're talking about here in the feeding of the multitudes is a reliance upon God. Yeah. Nehemiah prays for four months, for four months before he takes any action towards asking the king, and it's actually the king who ends up asking the question to find out what's going on with him because he's been, he's finally got to the point where he's so distraught over it. Mm. Um, but he prays for four months before he even has the conversation and then heads uh, down to Jerusalem to do something about it. And then once he's there, he still assesses everything. And then he gets people involved with it as well. I had never noticed that. So I guess in 1-1 one, one in the month of Kislev, which I don't know which month that is. So maybe that's probably I, I think that's supposed to be like November, December. Okay. 
And then in chapter two, it's the month of Nisan, which is in the spring, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'd I'd missed that. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I think that and, and I think we're seeing we even see that in the feeding of the multitudes. What does Jesus do? He doesn't just, oh, okay, here's here, here's your food. We see pray. You know, he, he looks to he looks to his father. And that's where our reliance really needs to be. Yeah, go ahead, Justin. Maybe another example of that. Um, I think of Moses uh, in Exodus, uh, Exodus 1, uh, where Moses, uh, as a grown man, uh, looks this way and that way and says, let me start to deliver my people, and just jumps in, not Exodus 2, beg your pardon, Exodus 2, jumps in and, uh, and kills a... Uh, a taskmaster, right? An Egyptian. Where was the dependence on God? You know, where is he <laughs> prayerfully relying on the power of the Lord? Uh, instead, he's just doing this his way. And so, I mean, maybe he's got good motivations and he's great about initiating, <laughs> but uh, look look at the disaster it turns into. And then only later, when he kind of gives up on himself and is pushed to depend on the Lord, does Moses really begin to transform his character so that he becomes a, a reliable servant of God? Uh, so I think you're exactly right. What, if I'm going to initiate, that doesn't mean, okay, let me take stock of myself and make sure I've got it in me. Rather, it's let me take stock of what power God has and what his will is and just submit to his plan and start doing it his way. Whether I think I can do it very well or not, doesn't really matter. I'm just going to obey the Lord and let him do the work. Yeah. So I, I think some good things that we've kind of identified here is, you know, we talked about the compassion of towards uh, individuals and, and wanting them to 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 know the Lord and uh, our love for God and having because we have love for God, we're going to have love for for other people, right? And we made the example of the you know the Good Samaritan there, and you know when you identify that and then wanting to do something about it, but really needing to put our trust and our faith in God and in our obedience to him in order to do that very thing. The disciples don't get it, right? They're, they're not going to get, they certainly don't get it in this because then you're going to have the feeding of the 4,000. Even after that, they still don't get it. Um, they still struggle with that. And, and, I, and I think it, it takes quite a while for them to, um, you know, pretty much until after the resurrection to start for the things to start to click for them. Uh, interestingly enough, when you look at John's account and John and John chapter 21, you know, after Jesus has been, been raised and, you know, he's revealed himself to the disciples and where are they in that particular thing? They're by the Sea of Tiberias. They're, they're right back in this, you know, by the same water at that time. And they're having a meal. And he has that discussion uh, with Peter there at the end of uh, John chapter 21. And, and, and oftentimes we look at that and we kind of see that as, as the contrast to the denial uh, that Peter had of Jesus when he's, you know, mentioned, you know, he's asking him if he loves him. Um, but, you know, at the end of that part, particular discussion, he tells them to, you know, feed my, you know, to, to tend my sheep and to feed my sheep. Mm. And I just, it's really interesting. And I, and I don't, and I just wonder if Peter kind of made some connections there. Here they are having a meal. They're by the water. He's talking about being sheep. And here they, they know Jesus is the good shepherd. And that's what, you know, is he making the connections and all these things that Jesus has been teaching us, you know, particularly maybe even the feeding of the multitudes, preparing them to do the, the very work 
that they're they're being called to do. Um, you know, I, I can't say for sure on that, but I just I just find it to be an interesting uh, coincidence that they're you know in those particular places. It's yeah. uh, in Mark six. I think Mark is the only one that mentions this uh, in Mark six, talking about recognizing Jesus as the good shepherd and learning to shepherd ourselves. Um, we shouldn't say shepherd ourselves. Be shepherds like Jesus. Um, but in Mark 6, 39, Mark says, you know, then Jesus commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. That's yeah. like, well, duh, Mark, like what other color would the grass be? Right. Uh, but it's probably a link back to Psalm 23, where, you know, he, he leads me beside still waters into green pastures. And so Mark is saying, you know who Jesus is? He can provide, he can take care of you. You just follow him. And if we're learning to initiate too, he doesn't just take care of me as sheep, as a, a consumer, but he takes care of me as I learn to provide for others and serve others. He gives me the green grass. So I think it's an excellent point. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, I, I, I agree with you with the connections back to Psalm 23. And you can see that all throughout this entire thing when you start putting it all together. I mean, the idea is that he identifies, you know, them as sheep without a shepherd. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I shall not want. And he begins teaching them and providing for them and giving them what they need. And the idea, again, that idea makes me lie down. He commands them. Yeah, I, I think all those, those, those things, that the idea that the still waters, when the Sea of Galilee, when there's not a storm in the Sea of Galilee, it's calm. <laughs> you know, so. Their, their cup overflows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He restores my soul. They ate and were satisfied. You know, they were they were well taken care of in that particular thing. Um, and then just, you know, the, the end of the verse 3 in Psalm 23 says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for my, his name's sake. And I think, and again, making that connection is trying to lead these apostles, try to teach them, to provide for them, to do that very same thing, to lead people in the path of righteousness, which is his righteousness. So I'm thinking of the question then, David, uh, how do we then train ourselves and train others to initiate? Because we see what initiative does. And, and one thing you're pointing out is we need to observe the example of Jesus uh, and see what he learn to appreciate what he's done for me. If he initiated on my behalf, then how much more motivated am I to initiate toward others? So I need to keep my eyes on Jesus and see his example. But are there other ways that you found helpful, you or Scott, about how to train ourselves to initiate or even to train our children or even uh, brothers and sisters in the church? We can help encourage them and stimulate them to initiate. What, what have you guys found helpful with that? I'll, I'll throw this out as, as kind of a lesson of both failure and then doing right. One reason we can fail to initiate is because how many times have we tried to initiate but it didn't go anywhere? Um, Jesus preached in the synagogue of Nazareth, and they weren't very responsive. Uh, Jesus talked to a lot of people who were not responsive. Hmm. All went in a lot of synagogues where most of the people in the synagogue rejected it. And so all of us, we're going to initiate a number of things that don't work. That doesn't make the initiation wrong. But uh, what he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Uh, back there in in Mark four, was it where it was one of the chapters where they'd been fishing all night and had taken nothing. You know, so was it wrong that they had fished that night? Um, the 
you know, as a, you, you go fishing more often than you catch a lot of fish. So here's the story. Um, so uh, back around 2015, I baptized a fellow, and uh, about a year or so later, he mentioned to me, and I didn't know where his mom lived, uh, but he said, if you know of anybody that needs a Braille Bible, my mom is uh, getting a new set and would be glad to give it to somebody if you know if somebody needs one. Well, I didn't know of anybody right then that needed one, so I just said, yeah, I don't know anybody. Okay, I didn't take initiative there. You know, I just found out his mom's interested in the Bible, and I took mm. no initiative. <laughs> Fortunately, a couple weeks later, he mentioned it again. And I said, I don't know, but hey, listen, if your mom would be interested, if she'd like somebody to come read the Bible with her, uh, you know, give her my number, I'd, I'd be happy to do that. I found out she lived in Harrisburg. Well, for years I've thought, you know, it'd be good to get work going in Harrisburg. Um, and so that time I took initiative. I didn't know it was where it was gonna go, but at least, you know, I threw out a line. The very next day, she called me. Uh, nice lady in her 80s, blind since infancy, and said, yes, you know, I would enjoy somebody coming reading the Bible. So we started going and reading the Bible. And some months later, she was baptized into Christ, and she said, you can start work here in my apartment. And so now here we have a congregation in Harrisburg, about 50 people or so, and um, it's if I'm glad I got a second chance, but the first time I blew it, I didn't take any initiative. I'm glad it was a second time. So, Justin, uh, just trying to reiterate, your question was asking, uh, what what can we do to maybe uh, help people to to see the need for initiative or, or to 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 and to act upon it? Like, how can we? Yeah. That? Yeah. So, I think. It's, it is more natural for some people to see, to recognize a need. I, I do think that, I mean, I've seen some people that can be on one side of the room and see that somebody needs help with something and just get up and go do it. And I'm totally aloof to it at times. I think that one of the things we need to do for ourselves and encourage other people is to look for those that are in need and, and need help just in general. I think that's really important uh, thing to do is, is, is to have compassion one we need to have compassion we need to be looking to to serve we have to look for things to do to serve in some compact some capacity so i think that's that's one of the things um which i sometimes it's, it's trickier trickier than others in, in you know what it what is identifying what is the need or something of that nature um but sometimes what happens i think for for people like maybe our, our type of position or other people that are not quote unquote leadership position is that everybody wants to come to you. Some people, are, I think a lot of people do see needs and then they go to the person who's the leader and says, hey, we need, we need to do something about this. And what they're really saying is you need to do something about this. And it's our nature typically, and I'm not saying we're always like this because sometimes we, we, we don't, but it's almost like, oh, okay, I have to do something. And I think, and that's what happens with our children. And so I think that's something we need to do. It's like, yeah, that sounds like a really great idea. What do you, what do you think 
you could do with that. Uh, you know, put it back on the individual to try to encourage them. And then maybe this, you start a dialogue with them and they may start asking you, uh, well, what do you think I should do? And, and, and now, you, now they're, you're helping them to take ownership of it and take initiative. I don't think people, I just, I just think sometimes people don't know that they can continue to follow through. They think the initiative is just seeing the need, but not doing anything about it. Bill Eccles did that for me years ago. Uh, would have been 1989 or 90, the wall had come down. And I was hearing about people trying to get Bibles, you know, parts of Bibles in, in the Soviet Union. And I was at lunch with some preachers. Uh, Bill Eckle happened to be there. I was up visiting my folks in New Jersey. And I was telling about, you know, what I'd heard. And I said, somebody needs to go over there. <laughs> and I was, I don't know, maybe 29, 30 at the time or so. Uh, Bill was a good bit older at the time. And as soon as I said that, he just said, why don't you go? You feel, right? I mean, that's what Jesus said. Yeah, yeah. And and it, it I changed from thinking, somebody needs to go, because I wasn't thinking about going over there. And I don't know that that really crossed my mind much. I said, somebody's going, he goes, why don't you? Uh, well, yeah, so I'll wait. <laughs> and we went over to yeah. work on the Justin. Uh, that, that reminds me of a story. Um, there's a book called Instruments in the Hands of the Redeemer or Instruments in the Redeemer's Hand, I think. Um, people in Need of Change, Helping People in Need of Change by Paul David Tripp. Fantastic resource. There's, I'll give the usual caveats about that. I think there's some Calvinism in it, but um, really encouraging book. But um, uh, in it, he tells a story uh, of a guy who calls him like late at night saying, I, someone's called me and they, they need a lot of help with this, this problem they've got in their lives. They need some God's wisdom. And, and wow, it's just difficult. And they start explaining the problem. And you know, Paul David Tripp just got his plate full already, and he's just listening and listening, and he says, wow, that sounds like a really wonderful opportunity God has given you. And before the guy could, you know, could respond, he just says, let me pray about that uh, with you before I, I let you go, and you, you let me know how that goes. And he prays with him, and then he wishes him a good night and hangs up the phone. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, a week later, the guy's back with him and saying, well, I, I need some advice about how to handle this. And, and Paul... David Tripp would just kind of like give him a little bit of advice, point him to some uh, some passages and some biblical principles, and let him go. And I think you're right, uh, David. Is we've we've got to step back sometimes for those of us who really want to feel useful. Sometimes we're we're robbing others of the opportunity to feel useful. Well, one thing that's helped me as um, thinking about being a, as a dad with you know four kids here is how do you how do you help encourage people to show initiative rather than making them feel guilty for not you know, yeah. showing initiative? Like, like the garbage again, that's a great example. And we've probably all fallen into the trap of, all right, who put the last plate in the garbage can? Or like, you know, who threw this, who's piling it on? Did somebody forget to take out the garbage? Like, well, of course somebody forgot to take out the garbage. And we just, we sort of make people feel bad for, for not initiating, or who has, did anybody think to call sister so and so who was recorded? You know who was going to invite brother so and so and encourage them, and and we all feel guilty, but instead saying hey, and I'll call one of the kids in and say 
hey, could you could you get the the trash liner out? You know, get the new trash bag. I won't take the garbage out. Would you mind replacing the liner for me? And making it, make it a happy thing. Or hey, I'm going to wash dishes. Would you mind rinsing for me, buddy? And you get over here and rinse, and I'll wash. And you're kind of showing but you're making it a happy, enjoyable thing because now they get to spend time with dad. They get a satisfaction of I've helped dad. And and now we get to do like, when I'm washing dishes, we're chatting, you know, we're singing songs, we're being goofy. I'm spraying them with the water. Maybe not with teenagers. That's tough. You gotta be careful about that with teenagers. But you know, you, like, you make it a fun thing. And I imagine for Jesus and these disciples, you know, you go from here are some weary uh, listeners and maybe they're already frustrated the disciples we were trying to get away from the crowd and here's the crowd coming to us and now jesus says now go around and pass out food and see how happy they are and go around and collect the leftovers and you've done a good day's work and jesus kind of passes off the work to them and makes it a satisfying enjoyable experience for them uh, it really is more blessed to give than to receive and i think if we can pass that along it goes a long way to encourage initiative scott yeah, we've got about three minutes left. I want to make one quick comment and come back to David there. And that is that for, for people and listen to this on podcasts and such, if you're ever thinking somebody else should do it, or if you think somebody else, here, I'll just relate this. Sometimes it's, here, here's the point. Sometimes it's best that the person who thinks of it just does it, and that will work better. Than if somebody else had done it. So I remember this guy I was working with, and I had worked with him and worked with him, and he was discouraged and he wanted to come to church like he should. And if I'd contacted him again, it would have been me again. They showed up at church. Nora, real sweet lady there, had dropped him a note in the mail. I said, I got a letter from Nora. <laughs> and it, it, it said, we miss you, like you back. And he came back. You know, Nora wasn't the preacher. Uh, Nora wasn't an elder. Nora was a sister who took the time to take some initiative and reach out. Yeah, and Justin, along the lines that you were talking about there with, you know, with the kids and at home and doing things like that, we can do that when it comes to. Yeah, obviously, just studying with with people and taking people along. Say, oh, hey, why don't you come along with me uh, for this Bible study? And allowing them to kind of, hey, you do the reading, you say a prayer, you do this. I think that's something that we need to encourage people to do more. That's what you know help, helped me when I was have people asking me to go along with them, and, they, and then kind of allowing me to also kind of speak up, you know, on my own there and encourage me. You know, if you have anything to say, go ahead and say it. Um, and then, you know, that, that really helped develop me into having the ability to take initiative and say, oh, there's something I can do now. Um, so I think that's something that would be, that's exactly what we see Jesus doing with the apostles. Why wouldn't we be doing the same thing? Excellent. Excellent. David, I, I wasn't sure where this conversation was going to go today. I, I was thinking mostly just how do I initiate conversations with people about the gospel? But it's the same principles there that connect with other just daily tasks and daily needs that service is service uh ministry you know whether it's teaching someone the gospel or encouraging someone writing a note or teaching our kids to take out the trash uh these are some fantastic principles so thank you for coming along today and sharing it with us uh thank you so much for everyone joining in this concludes our discussion for today
Uh, and if you found the study of God's word helpful, uh, please do share it with others. And again, if you have thoughts or questions that you'd like to listen to us discuss from God's word, uh, you can visit our website, leave us a note there at biblequest.tv. Uh, thanks for joining in. God be with you. And if he's willing, uh, we'll see you next week.